0: Everybody's awful these days. It's enough to make everyone crazy.
1: Sounds like the Joker's right there. And in this episode, we're talking about Joaquin Phoenix. And this is Alex from Los Angeles.
0: And this is Karen from San Francisco. Welcome to Movies That Shaped Us. We're two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but we're both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In this episode, we'll cover a filmmaker who shaped all of our film and like, Alex mentioned, it's the one and only Joaquin Phoenix. So Alex, yeah, talk to us about your relationship with Joaquin, what he means to you, and what kind of caught your eye the very first time with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd seen him in his early career career in a couple movies, but he was not an actor that I necessarily would have gravitated towards and would remember in some of those early 90s performances. I I mainly even just knew him of the brother of River Phoenix, who Mm -hmm. was an up and coming actor in the 80s and early 90s and tragically died young. I was aware of River and at the time, actually in the 90s, when I started kind of getting into film in high school, I just was associating walking with, oh, he's just River's brother. Like, I wasn't thinking about him as his own as own actor. And it really wasn't until Gladiator and his performance in that film as, as Emperor Commodus that I really was like, wow, this guy is electric screen presence, just very odd and interesting. Like, he's not just playing like a normal way this this villain role could be played. There's a sort of a traditional boring, for lack of a better word, way you could play that character. But he is the energy and the interesting thing in that film. Like Russell Crowe is incredible in in the film, but he's playing more of a classic kind of leading man, kind of unemotional performance that is still amazing. And I, I love him in the movie. But Maximus is just a, a very typical performance. Whereas what Joaquin's with Commonness was interesting. I was like, oh, this is interesting. This, this is an actor that I want to now start paying attention to. And then he definitely became a lot more famous in the years since then. And and then and, and Walk the Line, too, really was a huge standout for me. It's, I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. I thought he did an incredible job capturing Johnny Cash. And then the fact that he was singing and playing guitar. I mean, it shows that he just really dives into the role deep. And so the role kind of envelops him, which I think is definitely and we'll get into his different phases later. But that's what I think fi- I find him so fascinating now, because he really does become one with the role and chooses very interesting parts with a lot of top tier fem- filmmakers when they're doing more experimental kind of outside of the box things. And I think he brings to his performance as something a little more experimental and outside the box as well. And, you know, the reason why we're focusing on Joaquin, not only because we both like him as an actor, but he's in the new Ridley Scott epic, Napoleon, playing, I think, one of the more interesting historical figures of all time and complicated figures, Napoleon. And we have not seen the film yet, so we won't Mm -hmm. be able to talk about what he does there. But I'm definitely very interested, not only in the film, because I'm a huge really Scott fan and a huge personal fan of Napoleon, the man and what he did, but also how Joaquin is going to capture the essence of who Napoleon was. I'm definitely excited because of him. And I think that, again, speaks to his talent as an actor of doing things that are interesting and unexpected. I, that's why I'm like, I don't know how he's going to do this. He could do this in many different ways, but what is Joaquin going to do? And I think that's actually one of the things that attracted Ridley to want to do that project with Joaquin. Mm-hmm. So what what about you? What is your history with uh, Joaquin Phoenix?
0: Yeah, very similar to you. I think Gladiator is, is what I saw him first in and was sort of blown away by his magnetic, but odd, but creepy and sinister. <laughs> but at the same time, you sorta of also root for him. Yeah, press, you
1: do. Yeah, in good a way. Point.
0: yeah. Yeah, right, and just even his face with the scar, and I mean, he's a, he's a I would say he is a good looking guy, mm-hmm. but he's not conventionally good looking at all. It's sort of kind of odd in all aspects. And since then I've sort of followed his career, I would say quite a bit. And yeah, like you said, the words unpredictable and interesting always come to my mind. And I was thinking about it before we started recording that he is probably the modern day De Niro, Daniel Day-Lewis sort of actor Mm, we mm. think of now, like somebody who really, you know, immerses himself in a role. Every Joaquin movie, the audience knows he's going to take you somewhere. Uh And there are many such actors, A, who can do that, but more importantly, who can do that and be box office drawers. Right. Kind of how... De Niro and all were right like you wanted to show up for a De Niro performance or even a Pacino performance so he is definitely of that ilk in fact I would argue the only one of that ilk in our in our times today for the last decade or so but having said that he is a leading man but not a conventional leading man because those Mm -hmm. guys De Niro and Daniel Day-Lewis they could play the conventional leading man part as well right Joaquin I'm sure if he wanted to, he could, but he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And there's something very interesting that makes him probably just uniquely positioned in the history of movies, who is a character actor, but with a leading man draw, without Mm -hmm. actually playing leading man characters.
1: Right, the typical, yeah. a a typical good looking kind of leading man role, he just hasn't at least that i can come up with the top of my head hasn't really done that and i think he could he could yep. pull that off and he is he is good looking enough where you know you put him in the right kind of outfit he'll he'll yeah, be he, that madman the
0: closest we come to seeing him you know in like a but even that's an odd movie in a good way but he is you know at least playing a conventional conventionally good looking average sort of person you know mm.
1: Yeah, but, but it's still a an weird, and we'll, you know, yeah. we'll get into that like a quirky yeah. film and a, and a definitely very interesting character who falls totally. in love with an AI. But yeah, I mean, that is probably the only uh, closest he he's come so far, at least in his right. career, of trying to do that. But I think he could decide to, and we'll, again, we'll get into that in a little bit in the phase. I think there were opportunities where he could have jumped for that, but the fact that he didn't, I think, speaks a lot to what he wants to do as an artist. When he had the sort of blank check to do whatever he wanted, he decided to go more and more out there, and extreme in his uh, oddity and 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 uh, just interesting projects that that he does because he knows he's a box office draw so he can lend his his uh, his name and then the fact that there will be hopefully some audience behind it to to push the audience then of people that like him to into more interesting projects and and just sort of weird weird films.
0: Yeah, I mean, in fact, I feel like his oddity and his choices are what the draw is. Yeah, people want to see where he's gonna go next, which. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine anybody else, let alone now or any at any point in time has had that kind of appeal, which is kind of amazing.
1: Oh, Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So with that, let's get into his filmography. So if listeners haven't heard these episodes yet, where we kind of go into the careers of our favorite filmmakers, actors, directors, writers, what we do is we look back over their career and divide them into distinct phases where we feel the artist was doing something in one phase and then transitions to another. So with Joaquin, I feel like his first phase was his from his screen debut up until Gladiator. And in this phase, I think a lot of it, like I mentioned earlier, he had a very famous brother who was also an actor and definitely the leading man, matinee idol, really good looking guy, mm-hmm. I think was on a path to do those more conventional roles. He mentioned, unfortunately, tragically, his life was cut short. Mm-hmm. So in this in this stage, I think he was definitely overshadowed a bit by his brother and choosing interesting roles, but they were more um, supporting roles they, they were not necessarily leading roles. He maybe was co-starring at best, but the movies were not living or dying on what Joaquin was doing. But I think he was maybe just, again, getting his acting chops, trying to make his name from self outside of the shadow of his brother. And, and this phase of his career too, I've seen several of these films, like U-Turn, 8 Millimeter, but I, I don't necessarily remember his performances in them very much to have him standing out of much to be like, oh yeah, no, I remember what Joaquin was doing. I think maybe again, he was just sort of paying his dues or just trying to uh, to get exposure, but not necessarily finding a lot of success at this point. What What about you? What is your experience with these films early in his career?
0: Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of these movies except for To Die For, which I think is very emblematic of sort of how we see Joaquin now. Uh-huh. Where this character that he plays is kind of dark, kind of quirky, kind of childlike in some ways that you root for him at the same time. He's not a good guy, has a very odd, unnerving presence, mm-hmm. but you're also kind of scared for him, you know? So it's so funny to me. I watched *To Die For maybe a couple of years ago. It was on Criterion, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is sort of what Joaquin has become now as a, a grown up. So oh, interesting. he goes to Gus Van Sand to cast him. And he's amazing as just like a, I think he's just in his teen years, but it's such a lived in. of effortless performance which can easily be super over the top Uh i think that's sort of the other thing which we should mention that joaquin makes interesting choices and did with this movie and continues to make but he's never over the top i Mm -hmm. would argue or -hmm. maybe sometimes the material demands it to be or the director demands it to be but he's not playing it you know just for the heck of it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. This is one performance that I always remember of as That's kind of an early kind of foretelling of what would happen.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that, again, I've not seen that film, so I can't talk about that film specifically. But it's interesting that he was, there was something there that obviously Gus Van Sant saw. He's, again, yeah. a, a director who's very good at, at sort of casting actors, I, I find, and getting great performances yeah. out of them. But interesting that he saw something in Joaquin that maybe Joaquin didn't even realize or know until then he had the the size of his career was able to really e- exploit those um uh, uniqueness about what he what he does those uh, special Joaquin things that are standing standing out amongst other actors so moving on then to his his second phase which starts with Gladiator and really goes through a lot of more mainstream hollywood fare up until the Walk the Line which is the Johnny Cash film I like think this is really the time when, because of off a of Gladiator, which again is a performance that, I don't want to say he steals the movie, because again, I think Russell does a great job as Maximus, but he's definitely the most interesting character in that oh, flamboyant Um, you know you like but like you said you do feel for him there is a sympathy to this Mm -hmm. uh, this guy who is always kind of belittled by his father never really shown any respect and then and his father decides to pass him over for the the job of basically leading Rome and and giving it to Maximus as general so there's definitely a a feeling of a a jilted son who never really got what he wanted and that explains a lot of why he acts a lot like a child and sort of is who he is and you do feel for him, even though again he is the villain of the picture and he does a lot of bad things here that he's not sympathetic, but you do have some empathy. And I think that is credit to Joaquin for sure. Um any any just before we move on from gladiator I think it's such a seminal work for him. Any other thoughts you have on his performance in this in this film?
0: Just his presence, you know, like the oddity of it like we we keep using that word again, but there's like vulnerability to him as well. And and then also like this is a period epic movie, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we don't, like I don't associate period epics with Joaquin because most of his movies are so centered and grounded around him. Mm. So it's sort of fun to see him in this larger than life canvas and holding his own in period costume and kind of looking the part, you know, like I don't think of him as like a physically transformatory actor. I, I think of him more as an internal transformational kind of actor. Mm. So it's kind of fun to see him in that light as well.
1: No, I definitely agree. And and then I think this role, because it gets him so much acclaim, and obviously this is a huge hit film that wins Best Picture, he, he parlays that into his, his his mainstream success, I will call it. And, and this phase, he is doing a lot of more traditional Hollywood blockbusters. He worked with M. Night Shyamalan, who at the time, I mean, even though he's still a name today, I mean, he was a major filmmaker whose films would be huge hits. Signs was a, a film that he did, uh, Joaquin did with him too, was also a, a, one of the biggest movies of the year. And then The Village. Then these performances, I think he's bringing interesting things to them. I'm not a huge M. Night fan. I'm not a big fan of either of these movies per se. But, you know, Joaquin, these are more traditional roles. That I think he's 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 doing in them, but there is something interesting to them where there is a vulnerability and an empathy that you feel for for these characters, even in these more kind of mainstream roles, and that is something I think that is unique to what Joaquin does. He also, again, if very conventional, like Ladder Forty Nine, just a fireman movie. I mean, he's he's I think realizing he has success and he's he's trying to see how far he can stretch his persona, but he can't, He's still within that box of. You know, four quadrant sort of popcorn Hollywood films, which you know Gladiator is too to a certain extent, right. even though it's a master work, but it still is at the end of the day like a sword in the sandals action epic. So, any anything else kind of jump out here before we get into walk the line with it is a very important film for him.
0: Nothing really more than just I'm happy that he has kind of this blockbustery career because every it's fun for I would you know when actors are. Their artistic ambition is meeting commercial ambition that mm-hmm. often happens happen. And especially for an actor like jo- Joaquin, who sort of marches to his own drumbeat, mm-hmm. I'm happy that he had this phase of commercial, broader appeal, international appeal. Cause you know, these movies, especially the M-night ones, they are international successes, yes. right? Then, yes. Right. So they helped his career to then I would say, elevate him to this latest phase that he's been on since Walk the Line.
1: Yeah, no, and actually, as I look through these films too, he was never the the star. The movie didn't live or die based on him. I, he's there with Mel Gibson. He's in an ensemble. He's with John Travolta. Like He's with other box office draws, but I think that gives him the box office credibility to be able to be cast in a film like Walk the Line, where it is really does. I mean, it's a biopic of Johnny Cash. He is Johnny Cash in the film. Like this film would not work without him. He's right there Mm -hmm. in the poster with Reese, who was also a big star at the time. So it is a co-lead, but he is the titular character. You know, he's the one walking the line. He's Johnny Cash. And I think, again, as someone who is a big fan of Johnny Cash and his music, you know, Joaquin really does get lost in this part. He does a fantastic job of portraying, you know, the complexities of not only who Johnny Cash was, but, you know, his relationship with uh, his wife, who Reese Witherspoon plays, the fact that he, I remember being so surprised at this at the time, he's like, he's going to learn the music and sing the songs. Like, this is, it either goes really poorly, you know, or goes well. I mean, the only other person I can think of that kind of, Succeeded in this was Val Kilmer with the Doors, like he mm-hmm. was able to sing those Jim Morrison songs, and you sort of forget that it's an actor singing. And in this movie too, you forget this is Joaquin singing these songs. Okay. You think it's Johnny Cash, and I think this is a perfect crystallization of his mainstream success, but bringing the, uh, the the his dedication to these these parts and trying to do something more interesting with with the role of Johnny Cash. And th- this film, I I really like this film a lot. I think it's a a great uh, music biopic that. Typically, those can fall into some uh, some of a box and be kind of mm-hmm. samey and boring. But I think Joaquin's performance and Reese too. I want to give her a lot of credit as well because it's about their relationship. But he he really elevates this picture. What uh, what do you think about Walk the Line?
0: Yeah, I love this movie too. I watched it actually fairly recently and was just blown away again by the music. And I would say this couldn't have been a more perfect movie for Joaquin to take on. Because if you think about it, it has all the machinations of, you know, a tortured person who has like a lot of internal kind of struggle and trauma at the same time, he's magnetic, that people are drawn to him. Uh He's very good at what he does, his art, in this case, music, but there's a vulnerability and sadness to him as well, which is always teetering at the border of becoming aggressive or dangerous. You know, that to me is Joaquin's persona. And I think all those elements are in Johnny Cash. And yes. and on top of it, it's you know, it's fully internalized. There's music, the scope of the film is amazing. The relationship between him and her is so fully realized that this there couldn't have been a better vehicle, I think, to kind of catapult walking into the stratosphere that, okay, this is now a mainstream leading actor, you know, coming from the ranks of a character actor kind of person, being in a few blockbuster ensemble movies, and here he is. And then, you know, this is sort of the beginning of the phase that we are still in, which is incredible because Walk the Line was in 2005.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah.
0: It's been 20 years almost.
1: No, yeah, it's it, it is crazy. And I think this movie, because it was a box office success, you know, sort of in a it's a mainstream film. He's on the poster, but then also he's nominated for best actor. So this mm-hmm. this second phase is starts with his nomination for supporting an actor for gladiator and, and then ends with his leading nomination for for this. I think now finally he has the box office clout and also the critical bona fides. To really go off and do some very interesting, weird, quirky things, which I think his entire rest of his career since this movie, which yeah has been now 15 years, essentially, has been trying, I'll say it, weird projects that probably have no guarantee of mainstream success, but he now has that mainstream clout to try to bring an audience to these movies that are that are very odd and, and, and a bit off and I will, you know, mention that I've not seen this film, but there was a, I'll call it like a a fake, it was a fake documentary, Mm -hmm. essentially, that he he made called I'm Still Here. Came out in 2010, but he worked on this for a while with Casey Affleck. And it was essentially a performance he would be he would do out in in the real world in press interviews and things that he was gonna quit acting. You know, he grew his hair out. He had a big beard. He's like, I don't want to be an actor, I'm gonna be a rapper now. And he he it was just, it was kind of like a uh, performance art piece because he kept this this gag up for over a year in the press. He'd be on like David Letterman and all these shows and be like, "What is going on?" And you believe that okay, he's some kind of weird guy. Now maybe this is what he wants to do after his Walk the Line success. He's going to become a rapper now, and it was all for the sake of this documentary. But I, but and the documentary did not do well. Again, I haven't seen it, but I think this definitely cemented in my mind of like, "Oh, this guy is like really wants to take artistic chances so much so that he's going to pretend." his entire life is changing for a whole year with the press and all these interviews. It was definitely more method than method. I mean, he became this, this, this character version of himself and it, it, it it's like a performance art piece. And I think that speaks to going to an extreme for him of like, I'm just going to do something so out there and so weird. And yeah, audiences actually didn't show up and the movie didn't do well. And apparently wasn't very good. But I think that to me was like, wow, this, this guy is, pushing himself. I want to follow his career now. like, what else is he going to do? Like, even though this might not have worked, he's going to do a lot of interesting things. And it leads to, you know, performances in her and the master um, inherent vice that these are working with like top tier talent with uh, spike Jones and Anderson. But these are very interesting and, and off kilter and quirky roles that he just does a fantastic job in. And I don't know if you want to speak to anything else from this, this period so far that stands out before then, And we should probably touch on the Joker at some point, even though I don't like yeah. the film, but yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, on this phase of him just really stretching himself?
0: Yeah. I mean, like I was saying earlier, like this is how we know Joaquin as, and I think this is how Joaquin would be known in the history books as this daring actor who takes chances. And I think a lot of it, to your point has to do with his collaboration with really interesting directors. You mm-hmm. mentioned dudes, the third one in there, James Gray, Yes a, lot, yes, a lot of these collaborations, like The Immigrant, We Own the Night, both very, very good movies, you know, not perfect, flawed in their own ways, but their artistic chances for sure. And and I think it's critical. The PTA collaboration, I think, is probably the one that stands out the most in my mind. Mm-hmm. All of his collaborations, like without PDA, I don't know if Joaquin is where he's at today the way he the way we know him and the way we love him because i think mm-hmm. pta really gets him to unleash everything that joaquin has to offer i mean we covered the master about a year ago on this podcast it's, uh-huh. you know it's one of the most unnerving movie experiences i've ever had and, and i think it's the more i watch that movie the more i'm like like this is probably the most unhinged performance which is inside out and outside in to the point the man walks in a way that is just you know a a brutal manifestation of his troubles and his suffering Uh right in his body like that's that's the level of immersion we are talking about you know Mm -hmm. and PTA got him to that place which which is why it's so pivotal and then I think her is a very special one for me because I think after seeing Joaquin's all these really intense dark movies you know with massive trauma to see him in this lighter mild mannered kind of form where mm-hmm. he's dressed in pastels and you know has a smile on his face this kind of mustache and this whole world of you know slightly in the future LA yes he's falling in love with AI which is now <laughs> even more relevant than before Right. So a trick, of course, it's a Joaquin movie. It's not going to be a straightforward, you know, rom-com, obviously. Mm-hmm. But but there's something very sweet about him. And I, and I love that somebody came in and pulled out that vulnerable side of him and kind of made that the centerpiece. Because he's always had that. Yes. But it's usually surrounded with a lot of darkness and trauma and trouble. Here, it's about just vulnerability and sadness and and love. So I love that this is a movie that's nestled in this chapter.
1: Yeah, that's interesting on on her. It's a movie I I love as well. And I'm sort of surprised Mm -hmm. it's never come up in this podcast before, honestly. Maybe it will in a future episode. But I think this role of this kind of socially awkward guy who ends up choosing to fall in love with an AI versus these, these real women in his life that he's not really treating very well in the wrong hands, could come across as a very unsympathetic character who's kind of a creep and a weirdo. You're like, this guy's just weird. Like, he's not he's not fitting in. He's too socially awkward. But Joaquin again has this, much like with Commodus too. Even though he's playing like a villainous emperor, you have a lot of empathy for his performance, and he, there is a sweetness in it. And you relate and you understand, and you you don't look at him as like this weird guy. Like, why is he talking to this machine? Like, he should get out there and be with real women. It's like, oh, you totally understand where he's coming from, and there's a lot of heartbreak at the end when you know he the machine leaves him <laughs> and you do feel really bad for him. And then he's starting to get human connection again. And I think there's that empathy that he brings into this performance. Like he does all of his even weird quirkier performances. They're never too, to your point you were making earlier too, like showy and sort of so much so that like, you're like, this is just some weird guy. He's like, Hey, there's a weird role. It's a weird performance. It's just weird. No, there's some kind of empathy that, that, that grounds you in, in his performance that I think yeah. uh, it's, it's Although great. I humor.
0: will say in this movie, I never questioned that because it is set in a, slightly futuristic world right so this is a very real possibility. so there's nothing like the movie sells that pretty clearly that yeah okay sure this is happening uh i will say that i think this movie is critical because if you remove this movie out like i was saying earlier all the other ones are kind of these dark out there kind Mm. of movies and i think this movie presents to us as an audience the range of joaquin Mm-hmm. you see that oh yeah he's he's not just the guy who's going to come and shake you up like he can also do sweet and mm. strained and and such so i think it's sort of even though this i think he was nominated i'm quite sure for this
1: movie uh he wasn't no he wasn't oh, he, he was just, nominated for the uh, master but not for, right, for this one. not yeah. for
0: this which is a bummer but i think it's pivotal in us and the industry recognizing him that, okay, this guy can do sort of anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think actually the, the final film, I think that we need to discuss is the Joker and it's a film. I don't like actually, and I, I don't think really works, but it, now that we're talking through his entire career, I actually think it is the representative of who Joaquin is as an actor. 100%. So it is a movie that was a gigantic financial success, huge hit. So he has the box office. It's a, it's a very showy performance that could be a little over the top. See Jared Leto if you want to know what an over the top version of the Joker is. It doesn't work, but there is an empathy to this character who is a bad guy, but not really. And he's really, it's a really weird performance. Like his body is very thin and odd. And his, how he moves his body in this movie is also very interesting and weird and off putting. But you still have empathy and sympathy for his version of the Joker that I don't think really any other actor could have pulled off this version of what they were trying to do with the Joker character. And so it really does encompass everything we just talked about in his entire filmography, all the phases all work together in this in this performance that ended up winning him the Academy Award. He finally I got it. I
0: couldn't agree more. I think this is the perfect encapsulation. And I'm glad despite our feelings about the movie as a whole, it makes sense to me that this is the movie he has, or this is the performance he has an Oscar for. Yes. it makes sense to me. And it's undeniable. I will never forget the experience of watching this movie. Dread and fear and all of it throughout, but yet a lot of empathy and sadness sort of for him and in general and and such. So it's pretty incredible. There are a few other movies in this chapter, which, Mm -hmm. you know, are swings and some land and some don't like i thought the irrational man is actually quite interesting you will never really hear is very hard-hitting and very brutal where this Mm. guy is basically going around killing people with like a hammer literally like beats them down with a hammer
1: oh
0: oh i didn't mean to say irrational man that's the movie that's not yes that's not good okay yeah yeah, that's not good <laughs> oh i meant to see say don't worry he he won't get here on get far on foot that's oh, the okay. one Gus one sand movie which i think is actually quite charming but but yeah some of these works some of these don't work but he's always good in them i would say mm-hmm. except for Irrational man which is just bad across the board <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> thanks for that correction there because i've not seen that So like oh, man, it's good yeah, even yeah. though i'm not a woody allen guy but okay and then you know obviously we have not seen napoleon yet So you don't know how he's able to capture this very complicated historical figure. So what we do at the end of these episodes is just talk about what we would hope the the actor will do in the future. So what what do you want to see next in Joaquin's career?
0: I think I kind of what we were saying a little bit earlier about the vulnerability aspect of his and that if he wanted, he could have done like a leading man role, you know? Mm -hmm. I would love for him to do that like a work with someone like an Alexander Payne perhaps and mm-hmm. make like a sweet kind of romantic comedy of sort sorts but like real life you know mm-hmm. I'm always thinking of we've covered a few James L. Brooks movies I would love to see him in that kind of a tone which is real enough but there's still comedy and lightness to it mm-hmm. or like a sweeping romance where he's portrayed as a slightly older but like debonair, good looking guy, you know, we've never seen him in that sort of dashing debonair kind of light. And I think he can do that. I I would love to see him in like a stylized kind of modern day romance uh, of sorts.
1: Yeah, so I was thinking something very, very similar of, I wish he, now that he has stretched himself, if he went back to a, more mainstream film and just try to do a leading man role and did that interestingly. Cause he, yes, he's done leading men the last phase of his career, but they've always been in sort of unconventional films. I think the Joker is the closest one to a conventional film just because it's based on, you know, the Batman IP, even though the film itself was, you know, R rated. It's not a comic book movie in any way other than just based on the characters. But yeah, I'd love to see him in that type of like, similar to like a walk the line where it was in a way like a romantic lead you know, because it was a romance, but to go back to a movie like that as an older actor who has now this entire phase of these more experimental films and and credits to his name, just what he could do would be fascinating. I think. And I um, also just a comedy would be interesting, like a full on, like out and out kind of more slapstick type. Con- I think he could do that type oh, of uh, type of again. thing, a very broad comedy, but adding a lot of very interesting things to it. I think that'd be fun to see him do.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we didn't mention two other movies, by the way, Bo is Afraid and Come On, Come On, which I have not seen Bo is Afraid yet. At some point I probably will. But but yeah, it'll be good for him to step outside of those because even those two are sort of like, yeah, the her like vulnerable in Come On, Come On and then Bo is Afraid, you know, mm-hmm. pushing all the eccentricities and out there stuff to the absolute extreme limits. Like I feel like he's kind of stuck is a, is the wrong word but you know sort of in that mold and it has been now for a while it'll be good to kind of change that up a little bit
1: yeah that's a good point actually Bo is afraid of film i've not yet seen either i think it from what i've gathered that there, there are a lot of sort of broad comedic elements to that right. too so i and that, but obviously that's a very unconventional very quirky film that is that is not an, an easy watch from what i've heard so it would be interesting to see him step into more of a, like a comedy but take those abilities into a more sort of like straightforward maybe even romantic comedy that'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see definitely interesting to see what it would do there
0: well hope you enjoyed this discussion on Joaquin and hopefully you all are excited about Napoleon just the way we are as well to see as always we are available on all podcast platforms including YouTube please rate and review us and don't forget to subscribe as all of that really helps listeners find us so with that we'll see you next time see ya Am I not merciful?